I've been told by everybody up on this roof that they're all off the roof. I am on the roof of Exposure 4. Got fire through the roof of the fire building in the entire rear section. Welcome back to Old School. I'm Rick Lasky, along with my good buddy, John Salka, and we're glad you could join us again. Uh, we appreciate, uh, uh, once again, the great feedback. Uh, we're just, we're having fun with these. We're, we're, we're talking shop and just letting it roll and uh, no agenda, no uh, script. Uh, we're just, uh, you know, we, hey, we come up with an idea. We're talking, uh, having a conversation. We go, ah, that'd be a great thing. Let, next time we're on Old School, let's talk about that. Um, you, you know, one of those things, John, that, that, you know, kind of just pops up out of nowhere sometimes in, 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 into different conversations, especially nowadays in, with all the different apparatus manufacturers out there is, is, you know, when it comes down to specking out your rig and both you and I have done shows and we've talked before about, you know, uh, the do's and the don'ts, but, but I, I, I don't know. I think it's time we look at it again and, and, and just spend maybe a little bit of time right here talking about it, John, about, uh, about, uh, you know, specking out your next pumper, your next ladder truck, your next heavy rescue. And I think what happens a lot, buddy, is, and again, I think these are, I, I, I say this a lot, but good intentions kind of gone south, but there are a lot of chief officers, a lot of chiefs that that don't ride their rigs or haven't ridden their rigs in a long time that are still specking rigs. Now, I, I understand that you may have a fire department where the chief has to be intimately involved because, you know, that, that's what you have experience-wise. That's That's what you've got. But but there's a point where you have to start bringing people in, right? There's a point where you have to involve the committee and pass it the baton. And, and actually, I think here, I'll just say this. You have to ask the people who are actually still riding the apparatus, hey, what 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 works better for you? What doesn't work? You know, you know what I'm saying? It's it's uh, when Russ Kerbo was the police chief in Louisville um, after he took over for the, the previous chief, he would go out and ride with the troops, you know, on shift and evening on deep nights or whatever, just go out once in a while, John. And I remember the first time he got one of the patrol cars, he's like, as a passenger, he's like, how the hell do you do this with this, this MCT where it's at and all this stuff. And they're like, chief, that's what we've been telling you. And, and I've seen fire apparatus, John, that, that have been specced that they did a poor job specking it first of all. But I remember at one place they were showing me their fire engine. I was, you know, they're teaching like they do with us a lot. And, we're walking around the rig and there's a little small compartment, you know, and I open, you know, I'm open up, I open up the compartment. There's a little halogen, a little miniature halogen and a little miniature mallet. And I said, you know, joke, I said, is that for like your little firefighter? And they go, no. I said, well, where's the real halogen? Well, it don't fit in that compartment. We got to throw it up in the well. I said, well, well, I said, who specked the rig? They said, chief, look good. Tench is a good guy, but he hasn't ridden the rig in a long time. And I remember, I remember years ago in Chicago, they actually had a, a, a God bless a paramedic, but he had a paramedic, no fire experience at the shops, specking rigs. And he, he specked the ladder truck, John, you know how we used to spec some ladder trucks with the, 
the ladders on the side, the old, let's just say the old, you know, rear mounts with the ladders on the side. And then we would, we would enclose them, if you will, right, to keep all the road grime off them and stuff like that. We'd enclose those and you would, you would, you know, you, 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 you access them off of the back of the rig. You know, you pull them off the back of the rig. Well, this guy swapped it. He had it where you had to pull the ladders out the front, towards the front of the rig. The problem was, in order to do that, you had to pull the mirrors in. On, I remember Ray Hoff showed me. We went, he goes, look at this rig. He showed me. In order to get the ladder off, you got to pull the mirror in in order to shoot the ladder out the side of his pocket. And I'm like, this is what happens when you have people that don't fight fires and don't ride the apparatus specking the rigs. I mean, and I, I know you agree it's important to, to have people that are still into the job, which could be that chief, or at least the bosses out there utilizing the input from their people, right? Right. You certainly got to you certainly got to have a good mix. And of course, one of the issues in the fire service is every fire department has got some different type of a structure. Um, a lot of volunteer departments and, and paid as well. A fire districts where there's district commissioners, publicly elected commissioners, or a commissioner. Uh, some places are, a, are, are an agency of, of the village or of the town or of the city, and then the, the, the city's in charge, and they have, a, they have a, a fire chief, but then the fire chief's answerable to maybe the mayor or the city manager or the council. Um, so th there's numerous different structures of fire departments, and what happens then is, so how, how do you... How do you build a truck committee? How do you put a truck committee together? You know, sometimes a truck committee will be the exclusive, the exclusive terrain of the fire chief. Sometimes it'll be the fire district or the commissioners will do it and the chief will be on it. Sometimes it's like you said, all, all white helmeted guys from headquarters who aren't bad guys and certainly know what they're doing, but maybe they're not pulling hose anymore. Uh, and you don't want to download it either. You don't, you don't want to load it up with all guys that ride fire engines either and don't ha and not have anybody that's got a, a broader view of what's going on and what else might be needed other than the type of nozzles. And, and exactly. And I think where you see that become a problem, John, is again, good intentions. You know, when, when you don't balance your committee out, like I think where you're going with this, balance it out with some bosses, some, you know, some chiefs, some company officers, some firefighters, God bless. But our firefighters are known for trying to shove a hundred pounds of, you know, what into a 10 pound bag. And sometimes we overload the rigs, especially you know, if you're trying to go with the quint concept and a single axle back there, so, so, I mean, we, you know, we, we, well, well let's just put this, it's the rip bags, right? All over again, except it has rubber tires on it this time. Let's, let, how about we put sledgehammers in there? We put bowling balls and let's put anvils and let's put this and foes. And before you know it, we, you know, good intentions, we end up with, with more stuff on there than really needs to be on there and actually overload the rig or make it more difficult to get the tools you have in now, right? Right. You know, and there's actually a, there's certainly not a not a confirmed one single way process to do it, but there's certainly a process. And the, you know, unless you're building a new building, but even if you are building a new building, what size what size apparatus floor do you have? What size bay? How high is the bay? How wide is the bay? How deep is the bay? How big of a uh, is it an old firehouse? Is there a basement? I've heard stories about the places that that spec that out just right. It fits in the door and it fits in the depth. But guess what? The, the floor started to collapse after they loaded the new rig in there because it was too heavy for the floor. Wasn't too heavy for the rear end or for the single axle, but it was too heavy for the floor. Or the guys that build it and it just can't get in. They had to put a low profile light on the on the thing and take all the antennas and mount them off the side because it you know they didn't consider or the places that it doesn't fit in that they have to that they have I've, to. I've seen it. I've seen that major metropolitan fire fire parks. Not somebody 
who may have, you know, not even th think about because the first rig they've ordered in 15 years, major Metro department ordered a bunch of rigs and like three or four, like you said, didn't even fit in a firehouse, didn't even fit in the right. damn door. And once you decide how big of a place you have to fit there, then obviously what are you looking for? I mean, and, and, and you know, our, our, our friend Mike Wobble, who, who does emergency vehicle operations training and apparatus training, inspecting out and acceptance and delivery and all sorts of stuff. He said, there's so much to it. And, and I won't even pretend to know that much about it, but I do know that there is a lot to it. And, it, and it's, you know, compartment size and, and, and the brakes, the square, the square inches on the brake pads for the weight of the vehicle. How much water are you going to carry? And, and, you know, you have some of these places, and, and my volunteer department has done it several times, bought, bought refurbed rigs. Well, you buy a rig from, we actually bought two rigs from New York City, and we, we bumped up the 500-gallon tank to a 1,000-gallon tank, and they raised the sidewalls on the, on the uh, hose bed, and, and, and it came out beautiful. And I remember talking years later to Mike Wolver about that. He said, did you ever check the brakes? Did you ever look at the, the rear end and the, and the axles? I said, what do you mean? He said, you had 500 gallons of water to an apparatus. 500 gallons oh. is thousands and thousands of pounds. He said, he said, I'm, he said I'm not telling you, but, but I can almost guarantee that, you, that your brakes were probably too small. They weren't rated for the load that you were carrying. And he said, and I'll bet that your axles were overloaded as well. And now – the point is we've had the rig for 20 years and it didn't matter, but it could matter. And it, and it could be, I mean, shoot, a couple of guys got killed in, in Boston a few years ago with a rig going down a block with a, with a brake, brake failure, right? So even something as simple as a brake failure could cause, you know, death and injury to firefighters and civilians. But getting back to the spec end of it, all that's got to be looked at. The, the, you know, once you know what you want, then you got to sit down with your manufacturers or with your, with your group and figure out what you want. Obviously, some manufacturers can produce some features and some manufacturers can produce others, and very few of them can produce all of them. So certainly a lot of people, you know, write specs to a manufacturer, right? Well, and, and I want to go back to something before we get too far from it. You brought up a great point. You know, once you know what you want, and, and I, I've said this before with some other folks, John, you know, let's talk briefly here, uh, like I said, before we get too far down the road with this, because there's a great, like I said, great point you brought up about knowing what you want, what you need. It is vitally important, and we see this. I think this is something that is that is not considered a lot of times by a lot of agencies is to spec the rig to your needs, right? Spec spec the rig to your village, town, city's needs. And and and, and I've seen people all they want something to look like FDNY or Chicago or LA or whatever, and they they load it up in such a manner where it's it's not as functional, I guess, as it would be for. You know, if, if you're running a rural operation or you're a densely populated urban area or, or whatever, you know what I'm saying? It's, you need to look at the rig and go, <coughs> excuse me, what kind of neighborhoods are we running into? You know, what, what about our intersections, our streets, our setbacks? You, you know what I'm saying? All, it's like I used to be amazed at the, the building department, you know, good people. But what the things they forget is, you think, you know, we'd say we need the streets this wide when they were putting in all these High density, you know, the, the imitation, he's called imitation uh, taxpayer brownstones, right? Business on the first floor, a bunch of apartments, condos on the second, third, fourth floor. And, um, and with cars, I'm like, we, our ladder truck has to get down the street. And they're like, well, there's plenty of room for it. I go, yeah, but when the outriggers come out, it goes to 16 feet now. We need the room and they can't, you can't expect them to like, oh, pull up, I'll nudge up and I'll put them down between these cars. Same thing when it comes to specking that pumper, right, or that ladder rescue is making sure now he doesn't fit in the, in the station. But what are you, right, John, let's talk about that, your specific department's needs. And that can vary in some large cities from battalion to battalion, right? 
And another, yes, obviously. Another thing is other features of the town, like, like bridges and overpasses. Right, you know, right. I know so many departments that have a rig that comes out of Station 1 that if it's going over to a certain neighborhood, it's got to make a left. Down the road a little bit, half mile, over the bridge, and then, and then it comes back towards the neighborhood. But all the engines go out, and they go straight across because there's a little tunnel that goes right under the railroad track. Right. But the truck doesn't fit under that. And obviously, they didn't think about that when they, when they built that truck. Somebody wasn't out saying, let's check every bridge and tunnel in town. Let's check every overpass. Let's check every, the, the weight capacity of every, of every you know, bridge that we have. So those are, and that's before you start looking at the rig, at the color and the size of it, and what kind of light you want, and what kind of, you know, whether you're getting a quint or a ladder, you know? Well, exactly. And, and it, it goes back to, you know, let, let, let's just, you know, kind of not make this too basic, but one of the things you and I have talked about plenty of times before, look, we're all about cancer prevention. We're all about cancer awareness. And, and we're both glad the fire service has gotten to a point where we're, we're, we're talking better hygiene, better, you know, two sets of gear and stuff like that. But I think one of the things, John, we need to get back to is every one of the ambulances out there, you know, is like, I always call it like bloodborne pathogen resistance, if you will, meaning you can, you can muck it up with all that stuff and you could take a bucket of bleach water, all right, a bucket of bleach water and wipe out the thing, clean the thing, you know, <coughs> excuse me, wipe it out, clean it and not worry about ruining upholstery, things like that. And then you look at fire engines, John, right? We go to the shows or whatever and the seats, are real nice cloth seats, has their logo embroidered and all. How do you clean that? Right. You know, you get back in. So, you know, remember in the old days, you could take a same thing. You could take that bucket of bleach water. You could take those towels and rags. You could wipe down the seats and the dashboard and the microphones. And you could you could kind of wash out the diamond plate floor, you know. The cops did. Cops did it. Now, when you were a cop many, many years ago, you probably just had a back seat like the front seat. Now they got these hard plastic back seats. They just, they just dump oh, we, them in there. Our back seats were, were not, we had the cloth in the front if we had the cloth, a lot of them, but the back was a vinyl because the, the puke and the, right. the vomit. And now they don't blood. even have material. Now they're, yeah. hard, they're hard molded plastic seats in the back of police cars because they have so much, so many issues. There's somebody that's thinking. There's somebody that's trying to save ch- time and trouble and make it easy to decon them and stuff like that. Exactly. And we so should be doing the same thing. I, exactly. We should be doing that. And you bring something up all the time. And I, I, again, we don't have... God, it took us on our hump day hangouts like three shows to go through three hours and not even touch everything on from from spec to cradle to grave, if you will, with your rigs. You know, one, one important issue you want to talk about real quick I'll touch on is the whole seatbelt thing. And, and I've said it before, John, if you want your guys to, to, to make it easier on them to wear their seatbelts, I, I know that sounds ass backwards saying that's just put your damn seatbelt on. Stop making seatbelts the same size as air pack straps. And then we, so what they do, they said, we'll put extenders. Oh, no, we'll make the air pack straps red. Well, during the day that works at night. I mean, why not make the seatbelt bigger? You know, you know, make a seatbelt that's bigger with a bigger, but you could take a gloved hand and this, this big, could you imagine this mesh seatbelt, you know, not mesh, but this, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Boop, 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 click. You can go to, you can go to Six Flags over Great America and get into the Mr. Freeze 150 mile an hour ride. And it goes, and upside down, backwards, all this stuff. And we can't spec a fire engine with that or with, with a bigger seat. You could take, there's no doubt something that doesn't get caught up with stuff, something like they, I guess some of the stock cars, they have the big, uh, right. The mesh uh, net, you know, this big, thick nylon, thick, you know, doubles, triple sewn, really double, you know, they, they pull over them when they're driving 600 miles an hour, whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? Why can't we make a seatbelt same way shoulder strap, but make it bigger 
with a bigger buckle. I'm sure and it's you out know there. What? And they are now. They are now. They, they retrofitted all the FDMY rigs, and the new ones all come in with it now. Again, another thing that Mike Wilbur was involved in. He was actually detailed to the unit. And, uh, and they finally figured out that they needed to have special custom-made custom made seat belts, custom design, custom colors, custom mechanisms on there so you could you, have your gloves on and be pulling up in front of a place and undo it without having to take your gloves off and then put them back on outside. So, again, seat belts is just one of the – another issue. The, the height of the cab, can you sit in there with your helmet on or not with your helmet on? I'm not even getting into – not even getting into – we know it's an issue, but not even getting into the clean cab concept, which is a whole, a whole new thing on the horizon. Right. Just starting about wearing the gear or not wearing the gear in there and then having a separate one go up somewhere else to, uh, to store your gear after it's been used and contaminated. Some places are now not – they're not in, in incorporating SCBA brackets into the seats inside because they want them outside because those two are being contaminated and carrying carcinogens on them. And they want to know when you're done, you put them back in the compartment outside. When you get back to the firehouse, they're cleaned and rinsed or however you do it. And you put them back outside and you don't have to be in the same compartment with them all day long when you're doing other things in the apparatus. Well, and you mentioned, you mentioned like, you know, uh, we, we start talking about hose, but, you know, nowadays, and we're starting to see in a lot of cases, thank God, the return of lower hose beds. You said that now the, the, the tanks were getting more water on the rigs because the tanks now, these pie tanks are wrapped around, they're molded where they we can fit more water. But we're finally getting to a point where lowering the hose beds, especially in the back, you know, on a lot of the rigs, making it a little bit more accessible, a little bit easier to get to, you know, hose bed. John, what, and again, this these are little bits and pieces we're talking about here with spec and rigs. You know, um, you talk about deck guns for a second. We talk about this in our class all the time about what you should be doing or considering when you're specking a new rig that we used to do that we don't do anymore. Right. I mean, deck guns are obviously important. They're not the most frequently used uh, appliance, but they're certainly used enough. And obviously when a deck gun is required, not nothing else will work. Maybe a two and a half inch, you know, uh, line might work, but certainly deck, deck guns are great because you can use them single-handedly, a single firefighter can use it. And frankly, a firefighter doesn't have to be even, even dressed in personal protective equipment. You stand on the top of the apparatus, right? we kid around and say you can have a cigar and a baseball hat and you could use a deck pipe and darken it down. Uh, the one thing that, that I see to some degree people coming back to, but not everybody, is putting some kind of a valve, some kind of a gate right. up on the pipe. So, you can, so, you, so you, can, you, know, you can charge your thing from the pump panel and then climb up there. And swing it around, face it in the direction you want to go to, have a quarter turn valve, whoop, and, and you'd almost have immediate, immediate water. Almost the first water that comes out of the tip would hit the building, you know. Uh, and then, of course, you'd have to control the, the speed at which you close it so you don't end up, you know, damaging the pumps or having any water hammer situations. But that, that makes it so much more useful. You can actually activate the thing. And then when you get up there, you can swing it around. While the hose line is being stretched by a crew, a single firefighter can go up there and, and, and use that deck pipe. Well, exactly. And it, it comes down to what we said is, is knowing your department's needs, listening to your people, you know, ask the guys, is this step in the right spot? Is this, you know, and, and actually going out and doing it going, all right, so that doesn't seem to work. What can we do? John Ashman, the chief of train Louisville, uh, I, I've, I've said it, Pierce should have an office for him up there in Appleton. John is one of the best, you know, like some of you guys, one of the best that I know at spec and rigs. He did it for me for 12 years spent millions and millions and millions of dollars, always does it right, does a great job. Um, you know, we've talked before about, you know, the quick concept works for a lot of places where, you, you know, I need a ladder and a pumper. I'm a small department. <clears throat> I can't have everything, you know, 
And then, and then what happens is, well, we went with a quit with a 75 foot ladder. Okay. That'll work in a lot of places, but will you get the reach you need out of where, you know, you know, you know what I'm saying? Is 75 foot going to get you to third floor balcony of your apartments with the cars parked in front or and whatever. How far back are they set and stuff like that? Yeah. Right? Yeah. We're actually doing that right now in, in South Bloomin Grove where we just, we didn't get rid of it yet, but we got a hundred foot old, almost 40 year old. Seagrave, you, need a, you need a place. Do you need a place to store that? You need a place oh, to know, store. That? We have a museum right here in Wichita well, Falls. Now with this whole coronavirus thing, everything else is on hold once again. <laughs> and uh, but when we finally do get rid of this thing, uh, we're, that's what we're getting. We're getting a quint. We're getting a Pierce quint with a seventy-five foot ladder on it, and a tank and a pump. You know, which obviously takes up room, adds weight to the apparatus. So now you have a, you know, more limitations on the things that you can carry. We're, we're going to manage just fine with it. But the point is, those are all major decisions. Yeah, I want to quit. I want a ladder. It shouldn't just be a matter of what somebody wants or what somebody doesn't want. You got to figure out what your needs are first. You know, what kind of buildings do we have? What kind of multi-story buildings do we have? Do we really need 100 foot? If we need 100 foot, can we get a quint or not? Is it reasonable? And then, wait a minute, how long will it be? No, now the size of the firehouse might limit that. So there's so many factors that sometimes they are usable, sometimes they are Sometimes they they provide an opportunity, and sometimes they they provide a you know a roadblock. Well, and and nowadays, John, uh, <clears throat> there are so many resources out there for departments. If you don't have a large department, have like a division that takes or your fleet, you know, services division or the committees. You know, you mentioned Mike Wilbur. Mike Wilbur. You know, I mean, he's you're not free. You can't can't go around and pay your bills doing everything for free. But Mike is another guy you can bring out as a consultant that would help you, especially spec your ladder. Willie P, Bill Peters, fire engineering. Oh my God. He's on all the NFPA committees. Willie P, Jersey city, Batonchi, by apparatus, all those years. What a great, great guy. What a great asset. And they've and all got articles and books out there too. I mean, if you, <clears> even <throat> if you maybe can't afford to get somebody out there and, and pay for the actual service, you might be able to invest in some books and do some reading and, and do some studying and planning on your own. Yeah. And, and like, like I said, most of the manufacturers, are, are they really, and the, the ones that you and I know, you know, there's some really good, reputable, um, you know, not to play favorite to anyone because there's, there's a ton of great apparatus out there. I've got my favorites, but, you know, it, it, one of the things I don't want to pass up here is, you know, Chris McClune, the editor-in-chief of Fire Apparatus Magazine. Oh, my God. Now, Fire Apparatus Magazine, for our listeners, is not just about apparatus. It's anything that it's the apparatus, the firehouses you park them in everything in the firehouse, everything in the rig. So when you read the magazine, there's, there's diesel exhaust systems, there's firehouse designs, apparatus designs. But, oh, my God, John, what a wealth. Well, it's an often overlooked incredible asset. Is Fire Apparatus Magazine through, through Clara, through, you know, what a great magazine. You could, guys, guys and gals are listening. You could contact, you could email Chris McClune, the editor-in-chief. He will, he will, he will get back to you. I mean, I'm telling you, he'll get back to you. And, and if he doesn't have the information, he'll point you in a direction for your volunteer crew department to give you resources and people. Some places, John, they're going, God, we, we don't have, you know, $900,000 for a new Quint or a new ladder. You know, well, I tell you what, Chris goes, well, well, there's all these, here's five different places that sell used apparatus or this guy, this guy, this guy, you know, maybe you can, I mean, right. There's, well, there's resources out there. Used rigs too. You don't necessarily have to spec out a new rig. But you can, you can put some specs together. In other words, can't be bigger than this, longer than that, heavier than that. This is what we're looking for. You can still send that out to some of these used, used fire apparatus dealers 
or some of these other professionals. Uh, I'll tell you another important part of, it's not really the specking out of it, but of getting another, a new or a different apparatus is, is the acceptance and the inspection. And, and it's a great, I remember hearing a great story again from Mike, Mike Wolver. He told me a story one time about the, this, this department that, that took delivery of a big, beautiful ladder truck. I don't recall if it was a tower ladder or an area ladder or a bucket or a straight stick or what it was, but it was a big, what big gigantic machine, right? And they took delivery of it and they didn't hire anybody. I mean, they had written their own specs and they got along with the manufacturer and did their visits and all. And after they took acceptance of it, I mean, they inspected it. They looked it over. Everything looked fine. They had a trouble with the thing creeping. It was creeping. Anytime they were on any kind of a hill, even just a slight hill, put the brakes in, everybody get off the rig. This thing would just, it was sometimes barely noticeable. Really? Creeping and creeping. The steeper the angle was or the steeper the hill was, obviously they had a chalk head eventually, which you'll have to do anyway, but they would notice this thing be creeping. And eventually they called the manufacturer. Manufacturer came out and tested it, checked this and checked that, checked the brakes, the airlines, everything's good. The compression on the brake pads was proper. Everything. Make a long story short, it went on and on and on. They really couldn't figure out what it was. I, I think they ended up hiring somebody else, and it might have been Mike. That, that might be how he got the story. And they went out there, and the first thing they did, he said the first thing they did was they drove it to a local place and got it weighed. <laughs> and then he sat down in the office, and he looked at the specs. That's all he did. He didn't even look at the rig. He said, go get it weighed, come back. They came back while he was looking at the specs, and they came in and told him to wait. He said, I don't, I don't even have to look at the rig. I can tell you what your problem is. He said, what's the problem? It's too heavy. Your rig is 4,000, almost 5,000 pounds too heavy. And, this, and the brakes that are specced onto a rig that have your specs, your spec is this number. The brakes that were put on that rig are adequate for the, for the weight it should have been. Unfortunately, the guy who built it overbuilt it. And, he, and it's 5,000 pounds too heavy. The brakes are inadequate. They're the wrong size brakes or pads or whatever components it was. Very, very interesting story. And to back that story up, Mike told me that, you know, he and his partners and his folks that, that, that work with him, they do lots of inspection and lots of acceptance work. And he said hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of calls where they go to inspect the new rig on delivery day, they have a sheet, a yellow sheet full of stuff, oh, yeah. full of items that are incorrect. He said right down to compartment sizes and and piping sizes and all of the hose bed widths, all sorts of stuff wrong by a half inch, by three quarters of an inch, by two inches. He said, it's and if you're not up there, if you're not checking your spec and looking at the, the dimensions of the hose bed and actually getting up there and measuring the hose bed, you, they could be taking you too. And it's too late. I mean, that's why, you know, we, well, we, it's too late if you take it. Right. It's well, John, if you find it that day. Right. And, and some people, John, where I'm going with this is just to, to cut costs. They'll do their, their, their you know prelim go up there and visit or wherever they're going and they do their final but they don't do that middle inspection or two you know what i'm saying where where they go up before before it's all put together before it's well really you, you want us to take the whole thing apart to fit you know because you know as they keep going if you don't stop them you know and, and, and like i said john ashford talks about all the time chief ashford for Louisville, he's like so many departments miss out or screw themselves up because well, we'll just save. That's one less trip that's built into it. That's one less airfare, hotel, and all that. And oh my God, you know, when you go up for your final and you do, you have the pad. I mean, oh my, I've seen good guys. They have pads full of stuff. Or this isn't ready. We got to fix this, fix this, fix this. But a lot of that could have been taken care of on the last time ago. Yeah, if you would have went mid 
mid, 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 you know, mid build, you know, you jump in there, flip the lights on, beep the horn and say, wow, this thing sounds great. I love that federal queue. Let's back it in. If you take it, sign the papers and they drive away. Guess what? You own it. It's your That's problem. It. It'd be a shame if anybody did that because most volunteer departments are, you know, even career departments, fire, fire engines and fire trucks cost a lot of money, boy. It's a big investment and you should get it exactly down to the, down to the dotted I exactly how you want it. Well, we, we talked, you know, we've been, we've been talking about specking out your new rig and, the importance of putting a committee together, you know, this is where you need to check the egos at the door. And, and like you said early on, John, a balance committee where you've got maybe the chief or a boss in there, depending on your makeup size of your department. And you've got some company, a company officer too, and some firefighters, people that ride backwards, people that ride the front seat, people that drive it, your drivers, you know, and some bosses. And then put all, put that all together. Now there's a point where someone has to say, no, nah, that ain't going to work. Oh, that's a great idea, but that ain't going to work. That's a great idea, but it's not going to work. Or this would, and, and this is where you, 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 you flush out a lot of your problems, but you also introduce some great ideas when you appeal to everybody's needs and everybody's concerns when you put that committee together. And then, John, we talked about, we talked about specking your rig to meet your department's needs. Not the FDNY, not Chicago, not LA, but what, what does South Blooming Grove, what does Louisville, Texas need? What is Wichita Falls? You know, like you said, what are, what are our streets, our buildings, our setbacks, our, our, our hydrant system, our lack of hydrants, our, our trestles and bridges and, and roadways and railroad tracks. And, oh, my God, there's so many things to consider. Hose, ho, how much hose, how much water, how many people ride your rig, you know, all this stuff. It's kind of hard to work on increasing manpower when you don't have enough seats to put everybody in there, you know, right. or you're specking a rig that has like six or eight seats and you only ride four people, you know, so you spend all that extra eight seats and no place to put tools right. and no, exactly. no place to have a compartment for the first aid equipment yeah. because you put seats in there, right? Exactly. You know, and, and so why not use that money for something else we want on the rig rather than on something we're never going to use the right tools. And, you know, we talked about not overloading it, you know, and, and not, you know, overloading, which excessive weight, um, and then lastly, John, you know, again, we were trying to get like too technical here, but at the same time, there's, there's a bunch of great resources out there. Um, and, and people like we talked about Bill Peters from, for fire engineering and Mike Wilbur from firehouse. And then you've got fire at brass magazine, which is an incredible folks, incredible. Please check it out. Go to their website. It's an incredible resource with, with some great people. Chris McClune does a great job with it. Uh, the editor in chief. Um, so, so know your needs, know your rigs, anything else, buddy? Absolutely. Yeah, like I said, there's a lot. You got to do a lot of homework before you even start the process. That's the important part. Well, we've been talking, folks, about specking your your new rig. Uh, uh, John and I try to put these out there for you. Just you know, little chunks uh, of information. Uh, uh, we know that the format. A lot of you have told us. You've emailed us and messaged us <clears throat> on social media. Told us that the 25 to 35 minute format really works well when you're on your way to work or you're working out or you're on the floor or whatever. So we're really trying hard to do that, uh, to, to meet those, uh, uh, needs, you know, time-wise with these, with these shows. And we always appreciate you to join, you know, joining and listening and, and telling your friends about it. Uh, this is just John and I just having fun, having fun talking shop with you and hopefully, uh, you know, something that you hear might help you out just like it has us, uh, neither one of us, know everything by no means, but we, we like to share. And uh, that's what we're doing. So, buddy, if they want to get a hold of you. Chief John Salka at gmail.com. 
and Chief Lasky at gmail.com. You guys hear those emails all the time. We've got our websites. We're on social media. Hit us any of those. And uh, we're, that's another one. That's another one. We're good, uh, buddy. Um, let's close it out here and ask uh, our listeners, uh, the great men and women out there that, 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 that do what they do for, for so many, uh, to please uh, uh, keep the men and women armed forces in your thoughts and prayers. And, and we, we try to always end with this. Never forgetting really means never forgetting. Thank you. God bless you and be safe out there.